Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we are today, Ephesians chapter 4. We're in a series of messages entitled Living Well. Basically, what we mean by that is living the kind of life that God will bless, the kind of characteristics of life that God wants to guide us in and toward. Today, the key concept is this, do not give in to anger mismanagement talking about anger, pursuing forgiveness in the midst of anger. That's where we are. Anger, if left unchecked, will bring about hurt, depression, anxiety, and bitterness. And anger is a spiritual issue. Let's begin there. I don't know how you came to know Christ as personal Savior. Maybe it was in a meeting with a preacher preaching the gospel message. And if that's the case... For some of us, this message might be the second most important sermon you ever hear. Because we live in an angry age, and we tend to cut people a lot of slack when it comes to being angry people. And we should not. Not even believers, we should not. Because anger is a spiritual issue, and forgiveness is what we're called for, called to. Forgiving is a Christ-like act, and we are all called to grow in the image of Christ. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Why does he say that? Because he knows how much damage anger can do, and how much forgiveness is a sign of maturity in Christ. Medical doctor and psychologist Frank Minereth writes this, the medical importance of handling anger appropriately is immense. Angry and cynical people are five times more likely to die under the age of 50 than those who are calm and trusting. Now that statistic got my attention. Five times more likely to die young. He doesn't, in the book that I read that, he doesn't back it up with research statistics, but in reality, we don't know, we don't need to know a bunch of statistics to know that that's true, to know that anger is bad, to know that bad things happen when we are angry people, and to realize we are called of God to move away from it. In fact, If you put a D in front of anger, you get the word danger. 
angry people are dangerous, and anger is dangerous itself. And so we need to deal with the hurt that causes anger in a new way if we're going to seek living well. And that way is forgiveness. One author puts it this way. If we are not careful, every, any one of us can die in the tomb of our seemingly self-protective bitterness. I thought that was important because when we get angry, when we are bitter against someone, we encase ourselves with this and we think that it's protecting us. We think that this is keeping away bad things, that this is going to help me navigate life, that this is going to enable me to deal with the, the problems of existence in a better way. But in reality, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in a tomb that's going to kill us. Anger always hurts. Forgiveness is what we are called to live out. Listen to it this way as we talk about anger. Asaph in Psalm 73 says this, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Holding on to anger and rejecting forgiveness turns us into animals. We're, we're like beasts. We can't sense what God is telling to us uh, through his word, and we can't listen to the still, small voice of the spirit within. The cry of our pain and our rage is too loud in our hearts and our minds. We're just like animals. We're just, we're just living an animalistic life. And when we're angry like that, and when it becomes who we are, we are hurt, and hurt people hurt other people. And that is true. Hurting people will hurt others. So how do we get out of that cycle? How do we step away from this and not be known for anger, but rather for forgiveness? We need to head off anger at the pass. We need to head it off before it escalates into a way of life and a way of reacting. We need to know the signs of anger. We need to know the situations that cause anger in our own hearts so that it doesn't Steer our lives because what you do when you're angry may haunt you the rest of your life. In order to do this, in order to understand how anger works in our life, we need to recognize that anger is always a secondary emotion. What I mean by that is you're feeling something first before you feel angry. That's the thing to understand. You're feeling something else before you feel angry. Maybe you're feeling rejection, for instance. You don't get that promotion. You don't get that job. You, you break up in that romance or whatever it is, and you feel rejected. You feel unwanted. That's the feeling first that leads to anger. Maybe you feel frustration, things simply not going your way. And they may be just little things, an accumulation of things. The line in the grocery store doesn't move. This lady has a whole bunch of coupons that she can't find. Or... Or the gas company keeps you on hold till your phone goes dead. Or whatever it is, thing after thing. What happens is, is you build up this sense of nothing ever goes right for me. Everything is too hard for me. People are out to get me. This, I call this an existential anger. It's a frustration which, with life that builds into this anger that is just kind of there. I'm not anger, angry at any particular person, but I'm kind of angry all the time and all it takes is a little spark and off I go and it starts in frustration or maybe it starts in fear 
Students, are you grumpy when finals week comes around? Parents, are you grumpy when it's time to pay the bills? Does the family know, stay away from mom and dad when they're, when they're paying the bills? It starts in fear, fear that I'm not going to make ends meet, fear that I'm, I'm spending too much, fear that I can't support this lifestyle. I'm not saving enough. And for the student, I fear I'm going I'm to fail the test, you know? And that fear kind of in the pit of our stomach causes a little flame to burn, and soon it builds to anger. See, there's always that primary emotion that co- goes to anger, and that's where we need to know. That's what we need to kind of understand. What is it that I'm really feeling here? And how do I deal with that primary feeling before it gets to anger? And when we look at that, we need to understand that this is a spiritual issue. Holding on to anger is sin. It's not a little thing. It's not a whoops. It's not, well, this is the way I am. No, that's not it. Okay? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is not the way you are. And not the way you ought to continue. Jesus wants you to grow away from anger towards forgiveness and deal with anger well. Listen to verse 26. Let's back up a little bit. Paul says this, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now that verse doesn't just apply to when you argue in the evening. Got to stay up all night and get this settled. That's maybe a very practical example, but it's bigger than that. The verse means keep short accounts. Don't let anger and bitterness into your heart and let it sit there and fester and seethe. Because after a while, you are giving Satan a foothold in your life. You've got to work things out and work things out quickly. Don't allow it to fester there. When you replay the infraction over and over in your mind, when it's something that I'm just going to keep, I'm going to put it put over this side of my heart because you know, this, I just can't get over this. And when that's kind of your attitude, you are, in a sense, running the videotape of that infraction over and over again, and it just gets worse. We need to be able to keep short accounts. I was reminded of the importance of this, uh, of all things, while watching a football game. Back in January 20th of 2019, you probably remember the, the NFC Championship game. It was between the Rams and the Saints. Remember that? The Rams won the game. They went on to the Super Bowl. But in that game, in that championship game, there was a famously missed pass interference call. Okay. And we, the viewing public, were not allowed to keep short accounts regarding that. Why? Because they played it over and over and over. They played it in the game. They played it after the game. They played it on the news, the play that was was botched. And then they played it in slow motion and then in super slow motion. And every time they played it, people in New Orleans got more mad. Did you know that in the two days that followed that game, there was an online petition? 600,000 people signed an online petition to replay the game. There was an attorney named Frank D'Amico. He filed a lawsuit against the NFL within two days to replay the game because the town of New Orleans, they were mad. And they weren't allowed to let go because over and over again they saw that play. Now, they didn't replay the game. They weren't going to replay the game. But it shows you how we can get angry. And like that slow motion replay, 
you can play over in your mind the things that cause you to be bitter. And when you do that, you give the devil a foothold. There's a famous situation right in the Bible where that very thing happened. It's in Genesis chapter 4. It says this, The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must master it. But Cain didn't master it, right? And you know the rest of the story. The rest of the story is he murdered his brother. Holding on to anger not only grieves the spirit, it leads us to sin. And it will ruin your life. You need to stop rationalizing. You've got to stop justifying it. Stop declaring that you have the right to feel this way after all that they did to you. You've got to stop all of that. Because it makes you feel powerful in the flesh to hold on to anger and not forgive. But that is a false feeling. And really what you're doing is you're holding on to cancer. And it's eating away. We need to move towards forgiveness. Let's talk about forgiveness. C.S. Lewis once said, Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Because forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness, even though it is a powerful force and a force for love, it is something that we need to strive for. It's not easy, but it will cancel anger. And when I say it's a spiritual issue, what I mean by, by it is this. If we say we are the followers of Jesus Christ... He is the example of forgiveness. We are to be like him. And if we say we're followers of Jesus Christ, but somehow in our heart we feel justified in not forgiving the way we have been forgiven, that's a spiritual issue. And you're not going to grow spiritually. I don't know how many Bible verses you memorize, how many retreats you go to, whatever. You're not going to grow spiritually if that's the attitude that you have. We have been loved with a self-sacrificial love, and we have a model of what forgiveness should look like. Look at the end of verse 32. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We have already been forgiven if you know Christ. And we're called to grow in the ability to forgive as a spiritual discipline. And so we must see forgiveness as a part of that spiritual growth. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists fits of rage as the actions of the flesh, the sinful nature which you used to have before you know Christ as Savior. But now this side of the cross, as you follow Jesus, he says this in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what I want you to understand is anger and lack of forgiveness will kill off that fruit. You poison the garden of your own heart. And you're not, being, you're not able to grow as God would have you to grow. And forgiveness is modeled in Jesus Christ. As we mature as Christians, we should be more forgiving less angry, more gentle, just like Christ. In order to do that, I think we need to connect two things that we don't often connect. And that is, we need to connect forgiveness with gratitude. The ability to forgive with the ability 
to truly be grateful in our lives. In order to make that connection, I want to tell you the story about a woman named Delilah. If you were to meet Delilah today, you would see her to be a person with an easy smile and a happy face. The kind of person, when she comes in the room, everything kind of perks up. She just is a happy person. She sings on the worship team in her church. As she sings, the joy of the Lord just radiates out of her. She's just a little over four feet tall, but she speaks five languages. She has a degree in law. She's a mom of three children and a happily married person. And all of this, you look at her and and you might think, man, this woman has got it all together I'm so impressed by Delilah. But if you were to meet her earlier in her life, that would not be your impression. You see, Delilah was conceived out of wedlock. Her mom tried to have her aborted. Somehow the abortion didn't work and she was born alive. But the mom didn't want her, of course, and so she abandoned Delilah on the steps of a hospital in the city where where they lived. That means that Delilah went into the system. She was in in foster care all her life, from home to home to home. And those people meant well. They tried hard. But Delilah grew up with that existential anger that I talked about a moment ago. She was just mad at everything. And the, the primary emotion was she felt abandoned. She felt like nobody loved her, nobody wanted her, passed around, you know. And because of that, she was just angry. And in those years, you would have been scared of her, even as short as she is. Well, eventually, she could get out of foster care. She left the foster care system, and she promptly moved in with a guy. The guy promptly started beating her. She was abused. And it was in this period of her life that somebody told her about Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, she realized, there is a God who wants me. There is a God who loves me. And Jesus Christ died for me so that I can be a part of his family. My sins can be forgiven. Everything turned in Delilah's life because she was so grateful to know that God loved her. And she was grateful for the hope that that provided. It was, she was grateful for the sense of purpose. Now she's part of something that's, that's huge and, and God is working and she can be part of it. All of this just was items of gratitude in her heart. And little by little, it was gratitude, she'll tell you, gratitude turned her heart away from anger and towards forgiveness. And now she radiates the joy of the Lord because she knows her value before God. We need to rejoice more in all that we take for granted. We need to be truly grateful people. And it starts with the small things. Maybe... It starts with, when you got up this morning, did you see the sunrise? Praise God for that. Give him thanks. Did you eat, you know, breakfast that you liked this morning? Praise God. Give him thanks. For the music on the radio, praise God. Give him thanks. You had coffee today, didn't you? Praise God that you had coffee. You know, we're all very thankful too, by by the way. But, you know, the little things. You know, praise God for chocolate. That's good. Praise God for ice cream, right? Puppies. Let's, Let's think of things. The point is we... We run past these things, and we don't develop gratitude. But then there's the big things. Praise God for salvation. Praise God that Jesus loves you. Praise God that you're headed to heaven. Praise God you're ambassador of Christ on earth. Praise God that all of this is part of who we are. You see? Gratitude. When you don't concentrate on gratitude, you will easily fall into anger and lack of forgiveness. But gratitude is where we need to start. 
And then, in order for us to be forgiving people, there's one more piece that we have to put in. And that is we need to trust God. Part of forgiveness is trusting God. That you can let go of the bitterness and not be judge and jury for everybody around you. You see, I want you to imagine that you and God are side by side looking down at the situation that caused you to be angry. And God is saying, I want you to move that from the anger column to the forgiven column. I want you to do that. And when God asks you to do that, he says this. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to understand that I saw that. I want you to understand that I know that that happened. I realized that was bad, and I too believe that was wrong. But I will settle this. So trust me. Justice will prevail, but you've got to trust me. Now, you say to yourself, well, I don't know. I mean, I've been really hurt, God. I've been very ill-used. And Jesus will say to you, I want to remind you that I was wronged like no one else in all of history. Well, you say, well, I felt belittled and I felt humiliated when that happened to me. And he'll remind you, I was forsaken by the Father and I was hated by those around me. I was rejected and I was mocked and I was abused. And what I didn't do is, first of all, I didn't just pretend it didn't matter and push it down. And neither did I go nuclear and eradicate the human race. What did Jesus do? Peter tells us what Jesus did. 1 Peter 2.23, memorize this verse. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's what he did. That's what we do if we're going to be forgiving people. We need to trust the Father as Jesus trusted the Father. We need to entrust our situation and ourselves to his justice. Say, God, I'm not going to be the one to solve this. I want you to solve it. Meanwhile, help me to forgive. And I want to trust that you will judge justly, just like Jesus did. See, are you mismanaging anger? It will ruin your life. It will ruin your relationships. It will ruin your family. Let forgiveness be your next step. Because that is the next step toward being like Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as we pray. In just a moment, we're going to go our separate ways. But maybe this is the issue in your life and you need prayer. Or maybe something else is going on and you need a prayer partner today. Over by the table next to the organ, we have prayer counselors waiting. They will meet you. They will pray with and for you. You slip forward. But first, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus... Thank you for your example. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the fact that you don't let us go our own way to our own devices. Lord, you have a plan for us. And it will look like a life that looks like you. So help us, Jesus, say yes to that. Help us to be forgivers. And Lord, for those of us who are existentially mad, we pray that you bring gratitude into our lives so that we see all that we are and all that we have in you. Dismiss us with your blessing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.